and welcome to Opinionated Science, the podcast from Technology Networks. I'm Rory McKenzie, a neuroscience editor at Technology Networks, and I'm joined today by my colleague Ash Board. How are you doing, Ash? Yeah, good, Rory. All good. How about yourself? Yes, I'm, I'm very well. Today we're going to be discussing quite an interesting area of um, neuroscience technology. So this is the, the world of non-invasive stimulation, specifically stimulation of the vagal nerve. Now, uh, like I said, this is a, an area that remains in some, some regions a bit more experimental, but there is some, some solid ev- evidence behind some areas of the research, but we're going to be focusing on one particular paper which claims to have originated a breakthrough in the way that vagal uh, nerve stimulation therapy is administered. So we should probably, probably give our listeners a background to, to vagal yeah, I was going to say, listeners and me as well, Rory, might be quite helpful. So yeah, just yeah. So the idea that you could somehow stimulate the nervous system with external electrical bursts is actually something that originates in the, the 19th century. People have been trying to do it pretty much ever since they discovered that the nervous system communicates using electrical impulses. Uh, but it took 100 years before something approaching VNS was approved by any regulatory authorities. In 1994 in the EU, in 1997 in the US, the first VNS or vagal nerve stimulation device was approved for epilepsy. Now, um, essentially what this device is, it's, it's, it looks a bit like a pacemaker, I'd say. Um, imagine it's a pacemaker for your brain. I'm sure that's uh, misleading in some ways, but it's a nice, uh, a nice surface level descriptor. So this is something that is inserted into your upper chest uh, and delivers these electrical pulses um, through to electrodes that are wrapped around uh, your left vagal nerve. This is a nerve that connects the brain and the enteric um, systems. So it essentially connects your viscera, like your lungs, your heart, and your stomach, uh, to your brain. So this nerve goes down one side of your neck, connects these different organs, and comes back uh, down back up the other side of your your neck. So in general. The, the different sides of the vagus nerve are divided into afferent and efferent connections. Afferent means going towards your brain, so carrying signals from your body to your brain, and efferent uh, means going in the other direction, going to the body. Now, it kind of makes sense that you'd want to target these, these connections, right? Because uh, the nerve's quite easy to access. If you have yeah. one of these implants put in your body, it's a 20-minute outpatient surgery. And... It's, there's robust evidence, right, that it has effects on the body. Um, what we're trying to target here is the autonomic nervous system. So that includes the, the sympathetic nervous system, that is sort of fight or flight, and the parasympathetic nervous system that is, I think, feed or breed. Uh, this is controlling things that happen unconsciously. So muscle tone, uh, the, the rumblings of acid in your stomach these aren't things that we're controlling consciously but it's still things that the brain has to to keep a track on and by using one of these vns devices scientists are hoping to uh, modulate certain aspects of this part of the nervous system so that was did you say so the epilepsy one was it in the ninth so was it 94 did you say in the eu and it was 94 in the eu in 1997 in the us so this this was the first application of it and I yep. think it's the application of VNS that has the most uh, robust evidence behind it. So in the yeah. US, a trial 
showed that 40% of patients showed a 50% reduction in the number of seizures they're having after two to three years of using this treatment. Yeah. And does it take, this might not be, you said two to three years. So does it take a little time to sort of... uh, I think that was the the sort of maximum the maximum point at which the the trials were monitored. Um, okay, but I, I I think the theory is that these kind of improvements will be seen much quicker than that. Um, I don't have an exact number, but um, for example, it, it makes sense that as soon as you start uh, you know modulating the the electrical stimulations that are, are going haywire when people have mm. epileptic seizures, that um, people would be able to see some kind of um, some quick feedback in, in their in their symptoms. Um, but one interesting side effect that happened when people were given these devices was that a lot of uh, epilepsy patients started feeling pretty good when they were using these devices. They reported that their mood was better. Um, I, presume the, I presume the study authors made sure that wasn't just because they're having fewer seizures, but um, this, this effect... You'd like to think so, please, yeah. You would do. Uh, but this effect is robust enough that uh, the next group of people that were... Uh, trialed uh, for the efficacy of these these devices for people with treatment resistant depression. So um, TRD, as it's called, is a scourge of the Western world. Um, a huge number of people suffer from major depressive disorder. And of that group, a significant percentage can go through multiple rounds of antidepressants or other types of therapy and, and not find any relief to their symptoms. Mm-hmm. And TRD was first targeted in groups of patients that had, had four rounds of different antidepressant um, medications without any any benefits. So these people have really enduring symptoms. So and, on that, Rory, mm-hmm. sorry, just let me just a quick question sort of occurred to me. Um, as you run through this, obviously we know, I mean the nerve, nervous system is obviously extremely complex. Okay. So I mean how do they even begin to administer the correct level of stimulation to ensure therapeutic benefit for this. This is a really good point and it's where the kind of accuracy and robustness we saw with epilepsy maybe starts to to break down a little bit. So keep in mind that the approval for treatment resistant depression was controversial. Um, I have a great quote here from a, a study I was reading said, whether the study actually demonstrated anything at all about VNS, VNS efficacy it's a topic that will likely be debated for years, in which we suspect will go down in the annals as one of the FDA's major embarrassments. Um, this was because the original um, approval didn't come with the kind of uh, maybe rigorous uh, double-blind placebo-controlled studies that we'd expect for drugs, but that's partly because medical devices like uh, VNS don't require the same level of regulation either in, the Euro- in Europe or the US. Um, but your question was originally about uh, how clinicians apply it. And I, I think it ties in because, again, this is an area that's not particularly robust and is a bit, a bit cruder. So um, the study we want to go into detail in this podcast is one published by uh, the lab of Dr. Stavros Zanos at, uh, at the Feinstein Institutes for Medical Research. Dr. Zanos's team... Um, had, have made some uh, big advances in, in okay. VNS. And um, he highlighted to me when I talked to him uh, last week that the current ways that clinicians have to um, modulate the, the level of in- intensity is simply by dialing up the, the intensity of the electrical stimulations up or down. 
Um, this is done through a, a microcomputer, which the clinician has, and current clinical practice really just involves um, getting the getting the patient to report back whether a particular stimulation level has any nasty side effects. And if you right. increase the, the stimulation level too much, um, people start reporting side effects with their ability to swallow, pain in their throat, and they get hoarse um, voices mm. because of the proximity of these electrical impulses to the, to the vocal cords. So I guess um, in, in every case currently, it's, it's, a, it's taking people to a threshold, isn't it? And I guess there's, in that respect, different people's thresholds are very... Uh, very different. Exactly. It's not a, a personalized therapy currently. And my conversations with Dr. Zanos highlighted that he and his team had wanted to essentially try and understand the mechanisms behind VNS better so that this kind of personalized therapy can ultimately be the, the approach they take. So uh, he conducted some experiments in rats. Now, rats are, I think, the most one of the most common models um, for this kind of therapy there's actually very very few studies that have been done in healthy adults with uh, vns um, a paper i read that was dated from 2010 said there had been none up to that point i don't know whether wow. um, maybe ones that i missed in my review have popped up since then but as of 2010 none had been done and this is because uh, you know it's an invasive surgery even if it is now mm-hmm. patient procedure and it's expensive to to run these trials so um the majority of evidence is from rodents and other models. And um, the, the facet of VNS that Xanos' team were looking into were essentially an aspect of it called directionality. Now, as I mentioned, right. as I mentioned earlier, Ash, um, the, the signals going to and from the brain um, go up mm-hmm. down one side of the neck and back up the other. But that was a bit of a simplification because um, the... Our nervous system isn't just like a, a road with, with two sides, a highway going one way and the other way. Um, instead, there's a whole heterogeneous mess of different uh, nerve fibers going within these, these bigger bundles. And um, currently, uh, these crude stimulation methods essentially just target the entire nerve and hope uh, that we're targeting the right fibers within. And, and generally, if you target one side of the neck as opposed to the other, you'll get effects going in, in one direction rather than the other. And the theory behind this is something called a nodal block. So the theory behind a nodal block is that uh, depending on the, the polarity of the electrodes, so that's just a, a facet of how they're set up when they're, they're put into the um, patient's neck and, and how they're, they're managed by the clinician. Um, the theory is that if electrical impulses under the cathode or the negatively charged electrode are are being stimulated and action potentials are being produced there'll be a concomitant uh, reduction in action potentials under the the anode and uh, this theory suggests that there can be a directionality with the with the uh, stimulation which is important right because we want with certain therapies as i said earlier epilepsy and depression targeting signals going towards the brain rather than away from the brain um in particular if the uh the right side of the neck is used, which is used in, in some conditions where it's not possible to target the, the left side of the neck. Uh, you know, there's the, the risk of um, overstimulating the heart and EEG uh, monitoring has to be used uh, alongside any VNS implantation on, on the other side of the neck. So uh, it's important that, that researchers know which way the, the stimulation is going. Um, so is it, is it fair to say then, essentially, I mean, and this is a gross in- oversimplification, 
that it is really a case of they they pick the right hand side or left hand side and that is the current kind of placement from and that's there's no there's no current technology that can uh, discriminate between these different types of fibers there's three types generally considered a type yeah. fibers b type fibers and c type fibers and we'll we'll come back to those later i think in the the podcast but initially what xanus wanted to do was essentially prove that a nodal block worked in the way it was theorized to work. So it might, it stunned me a little bit, but um, it might surprise you as well to hear that this basic tenet of how uh, VNS works had never been proved in practice. Um, really? No. So there's like cleared, FGA cleared, sort of cleared in the EU, but they're not that absolute, the, the most basic premise has never been tested then. Yeah, I mean... This is not unique to, to neuroscience. If you look at antidepressants, for example, we know roughly what they do, but we have no idea why that has the effect it has in a certain proportion of people with uh, enduring mood disorders. Um, but, you know, this is a, a, a mechanism which should have been, I think, untangled by now. It was quite shocking to me that it hadn't been. And he took an interesting approach with these, these rat models to try and uh, tease out what was happening with, with a nodal block. So initially they needed to take that really complicated network of, of fibers and, and, and essentially make it uh, more simplified. So the initial experiments in this paper involved vagotomies where um, these rats had uh, electrodes implanted and then the vagal nerve was cut either below or above where the electrode was. Um, now this would, if you imagine, have the effect of putting like a massive log across this highway of signals, but only in one direction so that um, impulses from the VNS device would still go in one direction, but not in the other. Yeah. So yeah. in mice with intact vagal nerves, it's, it's long been seen, and sorry, rats with intact vagal nerves, it's long been seen that signaling towards the brain reduces their breathing rate and signaling away from the brain reduces their heart rate. And in these okay. initial vagotomy studies, it was shown that with uh, the block, um, the electrical signals were blocked going up to the brain. That reduction in breathing rate stopped. Breathing rates returned to normal. And in the yeah. other direction, the heart rate returned to normal, but only the heart rate and only the breathing rate in the first case. So okay. this kind of confirmed to Zanos's team that the, the theory of, of which way the signals were traveling was, was backed up with their rat models. Okay. So in that case, I mean, so, so the, the very basic principle was was confirmed mm -hmm. were breathing and heart rate consistently affected by the nodal block so this was the the next set of experiments right so we had these these very blunt experiments where you completely ended the 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 transmission in one direction but in another set of rats which had intact vagal nerves again this time um yep. the, the nodal block was investigated so they were able to switch the polarity of the electrodes in uh, the rat's VNS devices and essentially when the anode uh, was closer to the rat's bodies the rats showed a relatively stronger decrease in their breathing rate and uh, reversing the electrode's polarity meant a relatively stronger decrease in heart rate which is backed up from what I was saying earlier that's what we would have expected to see and it um, also supports uh, the, the concepts of a nodal block and um, makes sense that it wasn't like a, a, a complete abation like we saw with the, the vagotomy experiments because yes. these are still intact and the, the nerves are still transmitting impulses both ways. Think of it as a toll booth has been set up that's restricting flow rather than, 
rather you're not, than, you're not completely blocking it, you're just sort of slowing it down. Yeah. Exactly. So that would be lovely and neat if we'd seen that in all the rats and we could, we could call a day on it, but it wasn't quite that elegant. So Xanos' uh, right. team reported uh, results from 17 rats in that latter experiment. And of that group, nine of them showed this uh, consistent effect. Um, and a number of rats showed effects that weren't particularly significant in either direction. And worryingly, three rats actually showed reversed effects. Does that, does that inconsistent data, does that have, a, have an explanation? So I talked to Sanus about this. I saw this in the discussion and said, why would we see these, these results? What's going on there? And he said it's likely to be a quirk of the model they used. So in uh, a rat's physiology, um, there's another nerve nearby the vagus nerve called the aortic depressor nerve. And Xanos yeah. explained that when this nerve is activated, which is in a subspecies of, of the rats they, they analyzed, when this is activated um, by the VNS device, there's opposing effects to what they'd ex expect. So it's likely in that these three rats with this, uh, with this opposite effect that, that can be explained by activation of the, the aortic depressor nerve. But um, I didn't see any data in the paper that, that tried to rule that out, say, by severing the aortic depressor nerve. I don't know if that's an option, but you'd want to see that mm. in a future study, right? Something that would control for that um, to maybe make the data more robust. Ultimately, it's, it's a study that backs up the basic tenet of a nodal block, but there, it still feels to me like there's a lot more to be done in teasing out the mechanisms yeah. of VNS. Completely. It feels, I mean, again, it's like, it's essentially, I mean, seems... Who am I to say? But it feels like long overdue work improving the kind of the basic concepts. Um, but I think really interesting is, is exactly what you said there. Is like this, the basics done. It's like what research is next and what what does this lead to? I mean, did did Zanoff give any clues on that at all? Or so, so I, I I posited it to him. You know, this is this is great and all, but in your introduction, you talk about these A, a fibers, B fibers, C fibers, but they kind of disappear in the rest of the paper. What why is that? And essentially with this current research and with the VNS field more currently, there's no way to separate out these different fibers. Um, mm -hmm. The next stage for his research, he told me quite excitingly, was uh, to develop biomarkers for specific uh, nerve fiber type stimulations. Um, so I'll be looking out uh, in my, my reading. Um, maybe we can, we can come back to this in another podcast once he's released his results, but uh, there should be... Uh, finer relationships detailed between the biomarkers that's heart rate and breathing rate and yep. also other biomarkers that might link to the activation of specific fiber types and i think that you know it's, it's a difficult one ash isn't it because if yeah. we took uh, a group of people with epilepsy and applied this to them and saw that it worked it would be seriously unethical to not give them the, the the implants and let them benefit from it but it often seems to happen in medical research that we see these benefits before truly understanding um, mm -hmm. the, the detailed mechanisms. And it, it could be that some people with epilepsy that currently benefit from this might benefit if we understood the mechanisms better. Um, an interesting part of the, the reading I, I did, especially about the, the treatment resistant depression part of it seemed, seemed to suggest that um, if you remember earlier, I mentioned that the FDA had approved it without the same kind of robust evidence. Um, yeah. Yeah robust evidence that you'd see for a drug, for example. Um, and in the review paper I was, I was reading, it simply stated that um, the manufacturer of the device hadn't 
apply to do any more studies for financial considerations. Um, I don't know what that means exactly, uh, but it's currently quite hard if you're in the States, for example, um, to get uh, VNS therapy for depression. They, they're, really, they're really a bit funny about the lack of evidence behind it. And, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you know, I do wonder, obviously, this is just a, me, me, me theorizing, but you do wonder if perhaps they're, they're scared of doing more robust studies in case they, they found out that it, it didn't work for treatment-resistant depression because it might put people off the entire endeavor of, of VNS gotcha. therapies. Do you, um, so in terms of VNS therapies then, I mean, obviously, treatment, the treatment-resistant depression, epilepsy, is it used in any, anything else? Um, is, so, do those tend to be the, the, the big ones? This is a, a really good point. So um, I think uh, another reason why these companies might be really quite wary about undermining any of their, their previous findings, they've got the approvals, you know, that's great, let's just leave it there, um, is because they have lots of other um, indications in the, in the pipeline. So um, another huge area of medical research goes into inflammatory disorders. So right, yeah. um, these are behind so much of the chronic pain that patients feel um, on a day-to-day basis. For example, if you think of rheumatoid arthritis, which is an inflammatory disorder, or lupus, um, you know, especially in the case of arthritis, this is a, a massive patient group um, that for a, a device manufacturer could be a very lucrative patient group. Um, a number of the big companies, including Livanova, that developed the first epilepsy DNS device are now moving into this area. So mm-hmm. um, Xanos, in my conversations with them, highlighted two companies, so Livanova and Setpoint Medical. They're investigating... Uh, VNS applications for respectively heart failure and rheumatoid arthritis. So these are, you know, massive indications, right? Um, and I asked him, you know, is this is this something that's going to be anytime soon? These kind of therapies. Yeah, yeah. And he said, based on what he's seen in preliminary reports, uh, that he feels that at least one of them will be successful with their treatments, and they could start seeing these options in two to three years. Was his prediction, which seems awful soon, but but, that um, does seem very uh, soon. Yeah, that's. I mean, often it's the case, certainly in the drug development kind of world. I mean, you're talking it's. Uh, it's I, sort think, of yeah. I think. I think this highlights again that that interesting separation that has been covered in much more detail by some some great documentaries between the world of medical devices, which require far less approval and far less evidence of efficacy than drugs do. Um, it <laughs> seems like that's a long-standing, long-standing. Uh, opinion that the EMA in Europe and the FDA in America have taken. Um, and uh, that got me thinking a lot about what other kinds of devices might be on the market that have yeah, sure. um, that have maybe already gone for uh, some kind of therapeutic benefit or, or related uh, benefits. Because of course, you know, even without this, this approval as a medical device, the idea of stimulating your nervous system in some way to get a, a more kind of holistic benefit that doesn't require a doctor's note and it doesn't require uh, a randomized controlled trial to back it up there's lots of devices on the market that um essentially just say that by stimulating your your vagus nerve a key thing here non-invasively so these devices just maybe sit on your chest oh, okay. uh, ra- rather than rather than being planted in your body um these devices are, are meant to sort of reduce your, your stress levels and, and make you feel more calm in a, a kind of nebulous way, not a specific, this will have this effect on this kind of disease. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what? That was going to be a question is it's so often these, these kind of devices 
um, in different guises move towards a kind of consumer market to, to meet these, like I say, more holistic needs. So it's, um, yeah, so it comes as no surprise, Rory. That's, that's... It doesn't at all. Um, and in a, for UK listeners, this might make more sense, but in a Blue Peter style, I've got one here I made earlier. Um, oh, you can't see this. That's, you that's, can't... that's a very interesting, very interesting segue there. What's, what, what you got there? Box. So um, I've, I've, I've got Ash on, uh, on my, my uh, webcam here, listeners, and I'm afraid you can't see this, but um, I'm holding a lovely teal-colored box, which has been sent to me by um, VNS stimulation company Sensate, um, their device, uh, which looks a bit like a little gray mouse pad, um, has apparently the a potential to benefit my stress levels and anxiety levels in just a few short applications. So um, they've sent one of these through to me, and I think in the next few weeks, could you, I'm going um, to... could you hold it up for us? Hold it up to the camera, Rory, so I can have a have a look. Very nice. That's, yes. Uh, just so you say, place that on your chest, and 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 the benefits flow from there. As a connected app, because of course it does. Um, so that is how I'll be delivering the the sensate experience to my body. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to trialing it. I'm not going to, to make any aspersions as to um, what will happen, um, but I'm looking to, I'm looking in the next few weeks to maybe be talking to, to Dr. Zanos and other researchers about the efficacy of these, these new devices that are on the market um, that are taking this kind of different approach uh, to VNS therapy. So um, are they um, are they fairly new offerings in the market? Do you know, I mean, a question about the VNS market. That's a good look. Um, so you know? um, these guys, Sensate, actually started um, on uh, crowdfunding platforms. So this okay. is, I think, their their second second device. Um, but they've got a a funder in Indiegogo. One of these costs about three hundred pounds here in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. So slightly more in in, in dollars. Um, but they've raised a, 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 in the figure of hundreds of thousands of pounds on, on a crowdfunding platform. Um, so it's, it's, it seems to be relatively new, but um, I'm not aware of, of how many other devices there could be on the market. Of course, if we had more time, we could tie this into other non-invasive brain stimulations like um, direct current stimulation, uh, TDCS. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of these different types of stimulation technology in the market. It's something which... It's very easy to understand for, for lay people and you can make nice looking devices out of it. But um, I'm looking forward to, to investigating in more detail exactly how effective these may be. So please do stay yeah, tuned, absolutely. listeners. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll uh, look forward to uh, seeing you as a new man, Rory. <laughs> Maybe a bit less stressed out. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> so I think I'd like to sum up by saying um, VNS VNS efficacy for epilepsy, very, very good for treatment resist depression, approved by the FDA, but a bit more controversial. And the jury is still out on these, uh, these other conditions like anxiety and inflammatory disorders. But um, I think we can all agree that these are pretty big burdens on the health system that would be great to find an effective treatment for. So we all keep our fingers and toes crossed. But um, yeah, that's, I think, I think that's all I... I wanted to discuss about this. Ash, do you have any more things to add? No, no just very interested in the follow-up to, uh, to hear about what people think of the consumer devices. And obviously, very much like yourself, going to uh, keep an eye on what, what Xanos follows up with. It's uh, absolutely interesting. It sounds like there's a lot of potential and a lot of things to explore. So thank I you very much. So. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, so 
Uh, I'll drop a bunch of links into the the podcast uh, page, so you'll be able to check out the the devices I've I've mentioned, and also the the academic papers that support some of the the things we've mentioned. So have a have a nice read of those, and um, please wherever you're listening, subscribe and and share our podcast and let us know what you think. Please don't keep your opinions to yourself. 